welcome to Brewing It Over with Cup North, the show that gives you the chance to deep dive into the topics shared in the content programme at our events. From social to consumer to sustainability issues, there's something for everyone. I'm Hannah Davis. And I'm Grace Talbot. And today we're joined by Rosie Lowry from Lamazocco, who moderated a panel on gender in the coffee industry at last year's Manchester Coffee Festival. With a passion for hospitality, community and building connections, Rosie fell in love with the coffee industry for the way in which it brings people together. After graduating from London College of Fashion in 2017, Rosie started her specialty coffee journey at Upshot in Sheffield and has since worked in various roles at coffee roasteries such as Alchemy and Outpost before moving into the marketing team at Lamazocco, where she's living out her dream for bringing people together through coffee and events since February 2022. Before we welcome Rosie to the podcast, don't forget if you want to listen to the panel that she moderated from Manchester Coffee Festival, hang on until the end of the podcast to hear the full recording. And talking of Manchester Coffee Festival, we couldn't deliver any of our projects without the incredible support of our partners. Here's an advert from our long-term partner, Lamazocco. Who's your barista hero? Do you have a local barista who always puts a smile on your face? Someone who never fails to make you feel welcome and at home in your favourite coffee shop? A friendly face who always goes above and beyond to bring you first-class hospitality when you go for your morning flat white? This year, Lamazocco are bringing their barista hero competition back for 2023. Nominate your favourite barista today to give them a chance to win cash prize of £1,000 plus a trip to Academia del Café Espresso in Florence. Simply fill out who they are, where they work and why they're amazing. For more details on how to enter, head to at Lamazocco UK Instagram page and click the link in their bio. Welcome, Rosie. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. Good. We're very, very excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. Now, not to put you under pressure, but I am going to start this off with some questions. Are you prepared cool. for some questions? I mean, I'm not prepared, but I, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to improvise. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't worry, they're really difficult. It's fine. <clears throat> Number Fantastic. one, coming in hot. What is your coffee order? My coffee, uh, my coffee order is genuinely like if I'm in a place that I can just walk in and be like, what's good today? I'm that person. I'd much rather like also because I kind of want to have a conversation with someone. But um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't work everywhere. Like <laughs> that doesn't work if you're in the airport and, and going to Starbucks. But <laughs> yeah, anywhere that's kind of got a extensive or you know more than one coffee on just what would you recommend because yeah. yeah I'm totally the same that's my favorite thing to do is basically I'm incapable of decision making right which I think is <laughs> a large part of my problem but if you can go in somewhere you're like tell me tell me what I want please I think that's amazing I've, I've not that's thought about it like that actually yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe it is actually... your decision making skills <laughs> Just mine. No, that actually rings true for me too. So I think you've, yeah, you've sussed me out. Okay, no worries. The second question is just as difficult. But say you've walked into this dream cafe and you've spoken to Dream Barista who is making you dreamy, dreamy beverage. What music is playing in our dreamy, dreamy cafe? I love this. Ah, oh, like a specific, like one specific song or like a genre? You're allowed to interpret this question. This is just a chance for our lovely listeners to get All right. and judge you probably <laughs> for your music choice. <laughs> I have to say anything, anything 80s. Oh. Yes. 
Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> and if, if I walk in and there's also like, this is me as uh, when I used to be a barista and like my playlist would always just be almost purely 80s, um, anything from like pop to post-punk or yeah, like anything anything like that do you know what as well like I always feel like it gets the conversation going especially with like a different crowd who are like oh I haven't heard this song since I was 21 (laughs) or something and then (laughs) you get to go on the nostalgia trip with them magic yeah exactly music plays a massive role in like your experience in a coffee shop uh it can really like heighten it or offer opportunities to connect um which leads me perfectly into my final question what is your most memorable coffee shop experience or one of if you can't pick the most I would actually say that like when I start thinking of like coffee shop experiences and and what's most memorable to me I think it would have to be that time when you actually start appreciating cafe culture and coffee shop culture and start to see it as more than just going for a coffee and I think that um started for me at a place called 108 in Truro in Cornwall which is actually where I just fully like started to realize you know it's the kind of place you'd go in and you would suddenly know you know all the all the regulars and like that's not really one specific memorable experience but I think that to me sums up what coffee shops should be and it, it's it's not actually so much about oh my god I went and had this incredible coffee this one time and I can't forget it it's actually how people make you feel um and yeah I think I gen- like oh it's a bit heart-wrenching um genuinely I think <laughs> like w- maybe without without my experience at 108 and being a customer there uh, like and maybe I wouldn't even have gotten into like the coffee industry like because yeah I think it was that community that definitely there counts that as memorable me... then doesn't it yeah I think so yeah um I've never actually thought about that before and and also that goes it was accessible as well and I, I remember the time of actually you know looking at you know like those I don't know if, if there's so much a thing anymore but those big like chalkboards behind a counter and they'd have like the options for v60 and the options for batch and the options for espresso and I remember the anxiety that used to give me (laughs) and I'm like oh what what does what what's the what does that mean like I'm gonna say the wrong thing and they're gonna tell me to get out or something (laughs) but I think yeah actually yeah 108 intro like they it was always okay to if it was someone going in and wanting a caramel latte or it was someone going in and saying, oh, you know, like like we just said, Grace, like, what would you recommend? Like, what have you got? What are you brewing on filter? That's, yeah, shout out to 108. Yeah, thank you. Those <laughs> coffee experiences are vital. And look, you know, as you say, it was one of the dominoes that had to go over for you to end up in this job. And we're very glad because now we can chat to you today thanks to that experience. So, yeah, definitely counts as memorable. <laughs> Definitely. It's actually very thought-provoking as well. Thanks. I think that we could probably do a whole podcast on the accessibility of specialty coffee shops and how people don't always feel welcome. I think it's a huge barrier for the specialty industry in particular. And yeah, I think it's something we could definitely chat more about. But today we're here to chat about your (laughs) panel from last year. And the title of that panel was Gender in the Coffee Industry, which uh, is a huge topic. And the panel 
was true to that huge topic and that there was a kind of a real broad range of discussions throughout the panel, ranging from the experiences of producers at Origin right through to the experiences of um, non-binary and trans people and kind of misgendering in um, coffee shops and McDonald's of all places. So yeah, the, it's well worth hanging on to the end to listen to the full discussion. But I think we're going to get stuck into some some questions that kind of have arisen from that discussion and kind of delve deeper in some, into some of the, the topics. So I'm going to go in, we'll get right stuck in and go in with a big question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think we'll, we'll start by talking about kind of traditional gender roles in coffee and how a lot of the time we do see a lot of the kind of serving and front of house roles are assigned to women and then a lot of the kind of more technical roles um specifically you know you working for la mozaco um there might be like a higher percentage of like men working in the the technical positions is how do you think that we can challenge those traditional gender roles in the coffee industry do you think there's one thing that we can do so i think i think with gender roles and kind of i guess in any industry and just in general i think it actually starts quite early on and i I think it's actually going to be quite a long process of of when this will change. I don't think it's just the coffee industry, but I think it's, you know, most industries. And I think when we think about, okay, what's one thing we could do to help? It's actually, in my opinion, um, I think it comes to how how we're brought up. And I think it's it comes to gender roles are, we, we start absorbing them from a very, very young age, right? And um in terms of thinking about like a, a good example i think is you know like like you were just saying about technical roles um and i think so actually in the lamazoko team here in the uk we at the moment have a have a 50-50 split um there is there are two technical people one is amin and one is hannah if i think about something like the um the engineer network that we work with, you know, registered engineers who who work with us, you know, there is, I, I don't know that we actually work with any female engineers um, in the engineering network. So I think that comes down to, I don't think it's because anyone's saying you're a woman, you can't be an engineer. I actually think it comes down to what we're taught when we grow up and that we don't consider that an option or we don't get interested in those things or the way that we're told to be it doesn't allow us to imagine that and I think it's it just starts with it's a difficult one because I think even if you parent a child and you know you try the best you can to not involve any of that stuff like it was still the media it's still tv it's still film it's still everything that we absorb like hundreds and hundreds of signals every day and continue to do throughout our life like it's in our subconscious and the things that that men are taught to be and things that women are taught to be if we're just talking about those two genders are are unfortunately very different and I think that is actually the the root of why there is an imbalance and like you were saying about women being heavily more heavily in in maybe hospitality roles that kind of thing we are taught more to be nurturing and to be more looking after people and and that kind of thing whether we're taught that consciously or subconsciously so I don't know that that answers the question of what's kind of one thing that we (laughs) we could do to work towards Uh, yeah I think for me that's the main yeah yeah I think 
that um yeah what you're saying is that this isn't a coffee industry issue it's like a much wider issue and something that is yeah extremely challenging and like you say even like I as a parent work really hard to not kind of apply like typical gender boundaries to my daughter but like she goes off to nursery and she gets influenced by all of these things outside of my control and and she is naturally influenced by those things that yeah it does make it incredibly challenging um to be able to instill that from a young age mm. but yeah I think that's yeah a really fair point that we have like a much wider uh, yeah. societal issue to kind of tackle it's not just within the coffee industry grace what were you gonna say no no i mean i was largely agreeing I, I agree i think there's um in specialty we get very good at pointing out the imbalance and then trying to look kind of very insular as, to explain it and i am not excusing previous uh power dynamic balances that have contributed to this but i do also agree that the external force of how we are socialized when we present as female versus men influences even the skill sets that we develop that then influence the jobs we go for as a child i grew up with two siblings both of whom were brothers and they were taught to be kind of gregarious and out there and i was given a doll to play with and to care for <laughs> which probably had a knock-on into why i then wanted to work in customer service and enjoyed making people feel nice right these things work together but with that in mind full in the face of that knowledge that there is a societal force that you are having to counterbalance as a business do you think there is an onus on businesses to do kind of to build into their hiring practices a recognition of that so maybe cater more to hiring more female presenting people or gender non-conforming folk to kind of counter counterbalance that or even offer more training opportunities within tech or engineering to women and gender non-conforming folk do you think that would be positive? Very big question. So I think, I think a couple of things. So I recently read like a study that had been done on actually the effectiveness of like blind interviewing. Like you know, you don't see the name. Even just a name can be you know, and that unconscious bias on not seeing what the person looks like, not seeing what gender they are, not seeing their name, actually has a huge impact on on hiring and, and who gets hired and which is just I mean I don't think it's even something that we would ever consider that we do and I think it is a subconscious thing um but the like studies have shown that when that is compared to you know a, a normal interviewing process like more much more men are hired in in the in the traditional interviewing spaces than than with the blind ones yeah that's kind of again a non-coffee industry related thing it's just a general thing the other question to that was is it okay for to kind of actively hire more you know non-men um women non-binary people underrepresented genders i think it completely depends on why the company's doing it if it's you know it, at the end of the day it should be because they care about the, the people that are working for them it shouldn't be about oh my company looks bad if you know um, I've only got men working for me which to be fair it probably does but yeah I think if it's for a genuine reason that they you know even something as simple as if speaking for lambs okay because that's where I work um even if you know when in R&D if if machines are only tested by men the the outcome is that those machines are developed for men right yeah mm -hmm. and 
I think in many industries that is an issue. Um, we, you know, even for the size of mobile phones, they're developed for men. Um, and then mostly, especially for someone like me who has very small hands, like they're too big, like it doesn't, it doesn't work. So I think, yeah, if you're doing it for the right reasons, which again is a whole, like, what are the right reasons? Then yeah, I think a hundred percent, like I'm for, you know, positive discrimination because your company is, is who, who works for you. Right. And mm-hmm. you need a diverse range of voices. You need a diverse range of representation, not just so that you look better as a company, but because you're probably your audience is a diverse range of people. Yeah. So how are you going to effectively, you know, market your products or, you know, sell to people if you're not represent you're not representing your audience in who you are yeah you'll only have one voice kind of contributing to your echo chamber if you if you don't have a diverse populace of people working for you so then you may be surprised when the feedback when you deliver a product only appeals it to one sort of yeah type of individual yeah, yeah i think connected to that idea that of hiring i suppose some people might feel like they aren't qualified for a position if they're looking at like a you know, they go onto the website of the company and they just see images of the staff and they're all, you know, white men, for example, they might not feel like they're able to apply and, and be part of that team. And oftentimes we hear this quote, you know, we can't be what we cannot see. And I think mm. that I do, to some extent, agree with that quote. And it's something that I think about a lot when we create our programs for our events, making sure that we have like a diverse range of faces in the program so that our audience and our attendees when they look at our program they feel welcome at the event they feel like they're represented and they feel like they can be a part of it but on the other hand there are marginalized groups who've been years fighting against that status quo and you know they might look at it and see yeah I'm not there but I can be and I want to be and they fight against that what do you think about that that quote do you think it sort of diminishes those marginalized voices I think that for me I I I completely 100% believe that you know that you can it's not that you can't imagine yourself in roles if you don't see people that look like you in roles because of course you can and I I don't think it's as simple as saying oh you you know you can you know my look for example my parents 100% I'm really lucky they always said like you can be whatever you want like you know when I was nine I looked up to Avril Lavigne so they got me a guitar you know I got a bit older and I was like I want to be a fashion designer so they got me a sewing machine but still I mean it's going back to it's going back to what we taught in the beginning and what you know why did I want a sewing machine over a toolbox you know Mm -hmm. I've never had any interest in is that because what I was brought up to believe that my gender meant was that I would be interested in fashion and I would be interested in all these things that kind of make up my identity. Yeah, so I think I completely get the whole, like, you know, people have been campaigning and fighting against the status quo, as it were, like, for a long time and they still could say, no, actually, I should be in that industry, I should be in that role. But I think for me, the pro- you know, there's always going to be people that have it in them to rebel and have it in them to say, actually, no, that's not right. And actually, I, I want to see a change. But that's not 
something that everyone has the capability to do for for many different reasons, or whether that's their upbringing, whether that's you know uh, class, whether that's race, whether that's that it's not something that it's not something we have a choice in. I don't think. I don't think it's like oh, you could you could believe that you could be anything, but you're just not fighting against it, like. It's amazing we have those people that are going like we we need to have a change and we're going to fight for it, but we can't not think about the fact that so many people don't even have a chance to think that. I think uh, in the in the panel talk I, I talk about my dad, but um, I'm going to talk about my mom now. Uh, <laughs> so a couple, it was I think it was about two three years ago. So my my mom and dad for for a little while had a fish and chip shop. Um, in Cornwall and then they had that for about 10 years and they moved back to Sheffield sort of to semi-retire and my mum started working in a chippy in Sheffield and she was kind of just doing the general roles like on the counter serving wrapping that kind of stuff Um, and they started advertising for a management position in the chippy and my mum said to me she was telling me about that and she said, oh, they, they you know, explained what the job role was and everything. And they would be, you know, the level of responsibility was opening and closing the shop. Key holder would be doing more frying, kind of managing the staff on shift. And she said, uh, I, I was thinking about applying for this, but I don't think that I can. And I said, what do you mean you don't think you can? Like you literally had your own business for the past 10 years and she said well because uh, like they wouldn't they wouldn't let a woman do that I don't but I think for us here like we wouldn't normally come across people that would say something like that because we probably are in the kind of groups of people who you know understand and get that actually know like it's okay to say I'm gonna do whatever I want but I'm sure there are many more people like my mum who's never actually been in a circle that's been remotely rebellious or said, actually questioned what being a woman means or what gender means, or she's probably never, ever thought about that. And, you know, that comment from her was very like, it didn't even, it was just off offhand. Like it didn't even really mean anything. And to me, I was like, what are you saying? Like, that's insane. And also like, if that's what you believe, and my mum turned, my mum turned 60 this year. So this was maybe, you know, in her late fifties, what could, not that I'm saying that she wants to live her life any other way, but is thinking, well, what could my mum have done if she hadn't have had that mentality? Like if she's got that mentality by 57, then how, what was she thinking when she was 20? Yeah. You know? So actually, yeah, like there's, I think we're probably sitting in a virtual room of people that all believe like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like gender doesn't confine me to what I can do. And, you know, we will push boundaries and we will fight for what what we want and what we think is right and what we think is right for other people. But I think we also have to consider that's definitely not the case for everyone. And yeah, like it's, something that what why why do we have to challenge a status quo like why why can't we dream of a day when it's just the norm for all engineers to be female and or or not men sorry um actually I, I did check if if my colleague would be okay with me saying this but recently at London Cobb Festival she was putting the setting up for the show and fixing one of the machines when it went on the stand and someone came over to her and 
in also I think it's quite good that this person was very curious and actually wanted to have a conversation but he said I don't mean this to sound disrespectful but in my however long it was that he's been in coffee 20 years or something I've never seen a female engineer and she you know she did have a conversation with him about that and everything and he took a photo of her and (laughs) she did I did ask her that it was okay to share that actually um yeah 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 exactly yeah I know exactly um he did actually (laughs) he did post it on 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 Instagram actually on a story and uh it was a very sweet photo but yeah and she was okay with that and I think there's some something to be said about I mean it's, it's he he was being curious I don't think he was being like oh my God, like I need to take a picture of this because it's so, but yeah, um, why can't it be the norm? Like yeah. I just hope for a day that that doesn't happen and it's not like, whoa, what are you doing with a yeah. screwdriver, you know? That anecdote alone, while sort of heartwarming on one level, <laughs> just quantifies the topic here, doesn't it? Like the fact that that for him mm-hmm. was so mm-hmm. noteworthy that he needed mm-hmm. photographic evidence speaks to the topic the reason why we have we are having a podcast based on a panel discussion that is an ongoing kind of theme we need to explore and challenge and overturn it's a really interesting contribution I think the story about your mum you're right we particularly nowadays with social media we do tend to exist in echo chambers where we're largely reflected back opinions and beliefs we already hold and you know, I am lucky enough to be surrounded by a lot of supportive and rebellious folk that make it seem that much more attainable to be rebellious. And there's Mm. strength in that as well, because I think the flip side of this is that you can be fatigued, right? Like, I am happy to Mm. stand up and, and demand rebellion and be active in that. But also after a while, you are allowed to be tired and say, I do not want to have to be the voice of all women in coffee, queer people in coffee. I want people in power who are part of that not balance to step up and affect change too. So I think in terms of representation, something important about kind of capturing images of women and gender non-conforming people in a variety of roles is it can be part of that implicit messaging. Well, we're not asking those individuals to speak to an experience, having that as representation and that kind of diluting the mass onslaught of seeing white men in those roles for our younger generation it's just changing that balance isn't it it's diluting the number of men you're seeing in roles and just changing the options and that I think can go quite a long way when you're talking about those systemic changes that need to happen so if you're like nine and you google I don't know coffee technician imagine if google images Mm -hmm. just spits back a variety of of options for you that's nobody having to speak but it says a lot and it can influence change this is not the natural segue I was going for here, but I was trying to make that lead into. Do you think because particularly in, in specialty coffee, we do tend to start in these customer facing roles and you do almost you have to be perceived in real time and there is a rapport that you end up building up there. Is there anything that we or business owners can do to help with the the language that's often used with customers? I certainly like particularly when I had a shaved head, I had a lot of misgendering and it it didn't affect me too much but I know that's because I am cisgendered and I didn't have any kind of conflict with that but I still noticed it I still got I got called little boy quite a lot (laughs) um but you know you know it's all good it's all good but that can have a real in a way I kind of love that for you Grace (laughs) do you know what I did too it became a bit of a joke with the rest of the team 
But is there any messaging you think that um, coffee businesses can offer their patrons to help with with language and over familiarity or crossing those boundaries? Another big question. I think, Sorry, I know it's such a tricky one, isn't it? And you mean specifically for like the the people behind the counter talking to the yeah, customer base? Yeah, so that it doesn't have to yeah. be on them in real time when they're in a kind of service position to to challenge a te- like a customer. You know, actually, my pronouns are they them or or similar? Yeah, it's such a tricky one, isn't it? Because how can your customers are that's kind of the scary thing about hospitality as well it's like your customers could be anyone and I guess as a business owner you've got this responsibility for your team that work in there that you need to create a safe space for for them and they need to be able to feel safe and welcomed coming into work um I guess oh it's tricky um I wish I had the answer but like yeah, I know. Yeah, if it like more of a discussion kind of base. I mean, um, I think that especially coffee in a way as well, kind of going back to what we were talking about right at the start and that accessibility and it is actually a place for uh, communication and actually having a conversation. And I guess I, I wonder if we're in a I know um like I was gonna say like a kind of a more privileged situation than other forms of hospitality because it is kind of I there are a lot of business owners that I speak to um when I do kind of photograph cafes or you know do panel talks with people who own businesses and um it's, it seems like it is a very huge thing for people to want to create like this safe space and this welcoming space and whether that's for the customers to feel welcome and how do I make it easier for the customer to feel um, you know welcome here and not have that anxiety that I used to have of going oh I don't know what I'm doing with this board <laughs> um, and and also like the, there seems to be I mean, I don't want to speak generally as well. I think it's a bit, it's 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 not very nice to speak generally, but maybe it's more the people that I'm speaking to, like that they want to create a space for their team as well, that they act, you know, it's probably independent business as well that are, are doing that. And I, it's, it's such a tricky one. Um, that kind of takes us back to what's spoken about in the podcast and with, uh, the whole thing at McDonald's and mm-hmm. the name badge scenario and whether that's a help or a hindrance or whether it's making people feel more other to put their pronouns on their badge and I, it's it's so it's such a tricky one oh. like yeah I think also if anyone's listening to this and and has ideas and you ever see me around please let's have a chat about yeah. it so I would love to I'd love to have like as many discussions about this as possible and how do we encourage customers to it's a general public isn't it like how do you encourage the general public to be better and be more inclusive and welcoming and make everyone's life a bit easier 
Yeah, I think we can flip it a bit and put a little bit more of the responsibility on the people behind the bar as opposed to the customers. Recently, I was in a restaurant and just like a very casual restaurant. And when they brought my food, they called me madam. And I just thought this is so (laughs) traditional and outdated. And like I am, you know, she, her, I don't mind if people refer to me in that way, but you don't need to call me madam when you put my food down. So I think if you're it, you know, and I I wouldn't expect to see that in a specialty coffee shop, but you might see it in some of the chain coffee shops if the people mm. working there are a bit more traditional. So I think, yeah, mm. kind of setting the example from behind the bar yeah. that you don't refer to your customers as sir or madam is like a really good step in mm. like just showing that you don't need to use gendered language when you're communicating in that situation. Yeah, yeah. there's, yeah, there's a give and take element, isn't there? I think if you set the standard behind the bar and can demonstrate through the language choices you make to your customers, particularly with regulars, hopefully there's the opportunity for them to take that on board. I do think it's a tricky thing insofar as I wouldn't ever want to suggest that like the onus was on the individual barista every single time to have to correct a member of the public if they were continuously misgendering them. So I think there does have to be like a a communication piece with the with the customers in attendance so that there's even, you know, in the same way that I mean it's it's kind of disappointing when you see it. But you know, when you go into banks and it's like we will not tolerate aggressive language to our bank tellers obviously we don't want to have this preset that we are assuming the general public will come in with aggression but some kind of messaging that supports gender neutral language like please be aware that in this coffee shop we we advocate for gender neutral language where possible something like that as a communication piece again and it opens the door doesn't it to a to a dialogue where if you're the customer in attendance and you're like oh i don't know what gender neutral language is there's an opportunity to learn and i think a lot of people have become afraid to even open that door to dialogue particularly those people not in the same types of echo chambers as us because they're afraid of getting it wrong offending people getting cancelled all of the fears of 2023 come as part of it so it's a it's a two-sided kind of position isn't it both the team and the businesses and the public have to be willing to engage with it definitely yeah I think it's it's such a it it is feels like a very generational thing as well and and I think yeah, we can't take for granted that people like my mum would, like you say, Grace, like know what that sign would mean. Mm. But it, it does. I, I don't think that means that we should. I, I actually think that's a great idea. But yeah, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't provoke those sorts of conversations. Because I think at the end of the day, what it boils down to is that we do need to be having conversations. And exactly like you say, like there are people who will not have ever, ever come across that there are genders outside of male and female and that's not at it's not really their fault but it kind of is their responsibility to be welcoming and just be like just be a decent person and kind of have some empathy for the fact that you know it, just just to have the conversation and 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 then it's also on the on the other side of us being like amazing thank you for asking mm. and like you know, being curious and curious in a sensitive and empathetic way, I think is paramount. It ties in nicely with what you were talking about as your memorable experience, doesn't it? Because these things relate, don't they? So in 108, if you've already created an environment where people feel safe to have a conversation with you as a barista, 
then you have much more safety and then going into something a bit more personal or, or charged. Whereas if the preset, like Hannah was saying, is that you go in and you're intimidated and there's all this messaging about specialty coffee that you don't know where to begin with. Of course, you're not going to go any deeper into the topic of gender and diversity yeah. because you're already like, I don't even know how to order a beverage. Let alone talk to you about gender norms. <laughs> Hundred percent. It's it's definitely like full circle, isn't it? Like if we if we're creating this safe space where I think all baristas can relate to like the fact that if you work in a place long enough, you kind of you you know, it's the most amazing part about working as a barista for me was always the connections you'd make with customers, the fact you become such a integral part of their day. And after a certain amount of time you almost become like a therapist in a way like you know they all it's amazing how people will open up to you so and and I think that speaks volumes that if, if you have created this space that people feel comfortable to do that then those kind of conversations will become much easier yeah people have been feeling safe to ask the right questions well Thank you. Thank you so much. I think, yeah, this is such a vast and complicated topic that we could genuinely continue to discuss it for the rest of time. But we have a limited amount of time on this podcast. So thank you so much, Rosie, for joining us on Brewing It Over. If people want to learn more about you, about Lamazoko, where should they head to? So they can go to... Sorry, <laughs> they can go... <laughs> Why? Why am I hesitating? Um, it's quite a simple question. Uh, so they could go to Instagram. <laughs> um, I don't know why I was expecting them to say like the library or something. They could go to Instagram and it's at Lamazoko UK. There, yeah, there's several Lamazokos around the world. So if you want to see what we're doing, keep up to date with our events, that kind of thing, head to Lamazoko UK. And if you want to, for some reason, uh, keep up with me personally, <laughs> uh, I'm Sour Pickle on Instagram, but my the O is a zero. Excellent. Yes. Instead of an O. It's a great Instagram handle. <laughs> quite complicated, actually. <laughs> we will link all of that in the show notes so people can easily find you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And sorry also it was very rude of me I didn't say thank you so much for having me on like this is an absolute such a dream and uh really good to chat with you about this this subject and also I really would welcome anyone to come and like I always want to continue this discussion and hear all sides of the debate and yeah like if you if you ever I'm I'm I I know I blend in quite well <laughs> at um at coffee events. It's quite hard to spot me, but yeah, do come and come and have a chat because I'm always always open to the conversation. Um, 100%. And thank, thank you so you. much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And yeah, for our listeners, keep listening now for the recording of Rosie's panel from Manchester Coffee Festival. Just a little note that the panel was recorded during a busy event and the sound quality drops at a couple of points, but we think it's well worth a listen. There's loads in there. It is. And yeah, yeah. thanks for listening. We'll be back soon for another episode of brewing it over hello oh i wasn't expecting that that's nice okay i'm rosie i work for lamazoko in marketing pronouns are she her really excited to do this panel on gender today don't mind if we start by um, introducing ourselves if you want to do pronouns and what your job is in coffee 
Oh. Start here. I'll go first. Um, <laughs> hi, everyone. My name is Mel. My pronouns are they, them. I have been in coffee for at least five years. I lose count. And I'm currently a barista trainer. I am an AST with the SCA, though I do a little bit of volunteering and competing as well. Hi, everyone. I'm Kels. I run South Coast Roast. We are a roastery based in Winchester. I've worked in coffee for about 10 years now. Done everything from barista trainer um, and now operations manager of a roastery pronouns are her she and hi i am uh, gabriella i have been working in coffee for the past eight years in a green coffee importing company so i bring coffee to the uk uh, and my pronoun is she Thank you so much for interest, introducing yourself so well. Um, if you start off introductory question of, to you personally, what does gender equity and equality mean to you in regards to the coffee industry? I'll, Whoever I'll wants to go take first, yeah. take the stage. Um, <laughs> I think it's quite simple. Everyone be treated the same. I literally, I've been racking my brain about what I personally think about it and I think it is quite simple. Everyone's treated the same. Everyone is human, no matter how you identify, what race you are, what ethnicity you are. And I don't think we talk about it enough. So even in coffee, I think it's a great almost excuse. We don't need an excuse to talk about it, but I feel like it's a great excuse to bring it to everyone's attention. I mean, you covered it pretty well there. But does anyone have anything to add? <laughs> Well, yeah, I think it's, it is also, it is also about when you, when we say treating everyone the same, it does mean giving everyone the same opportunities, right? So every, everything should be achievable by anyone who wants it. At the same time, we have our differences. And, and so when I think when we talk about gender and gender equality, Maybe we need to talk about balance. Would have been really nice to have males here. <laughs> more, more. And, 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 and we were supposed to, but we, we were supposed to, yeah. <laughs> because because it's um it is about finding that balance and finding that that way of how you give everyone the same opportunity whilst accepting that we're all different. And I I'm sure this needs to be built with everyone yeah yeah men women and everything in between that yeah for sure and I think an important point is that we hear the word equity a lot and equity is different from equality because as you said equality is treating everybody the same yeah but equity is adjusting that to overcome individual barriers so that everybody then has equal opportunities. And that's where equity comes in when you talk about like an equitable coffee chain. So yeah, I think you kind of mentioned that really well. And it, for me personally, it's about gender is just another characteristic like race, like ethnicity, that there can be a disparity between what you see in, for example, competition or like, you know, coffee celebrities and things like that. And the people who are working behind the bar and who are seen by the public every day and how that feeds into a perception of what kind of person is a coffee, is a barista or is good at coffee. So that for me, it's kind of, yeah, being seen and being able to still achieve what everyone else can achieve, right? 
Definitely. So with that in mind, talking about representation, in your opinion, where do we think that women and non-binary people are underrepresented in the industry? And why is that? Very big question. That is a big question. (laughs) (laughs) This might be the only question. I I, I don't know. Uh, Uh, Well... I think the the big uh, obvious thing is the origin, uh-huh. producing countries. And that is a huge topic on itself uh, because it's very visible, it's very there. But I, I also think that on this part of the world and here we also have these more subtle situations. And, and, and I don't know, it's, it's also maybe linked to the fact that uh, a lot of jobs in a rosary are are very physical or that or that uh in some in certain uh in certain uh milieus when you when you climb up and you're and when you're a little bit more ambitious you see men uh, more men so we can see that that there is the origin part of it that's obvious and there and 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 there's a lot to talk about and and the uh, and the consuming countries and and this in industry that we're all trying to make better where things are here and there a little bit more subtle and i don't know but i i see this on the green side of things on the green coffee side of things in certain milieus and in after a certain after a certain time you 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 start seeing men more than than all the other genders okay i think even in the farms farms get passed down generations and generally, I've seen that that's only go going down the male route. Like, why isn't it being passed down to the mum, to the daughter? Like, I think that's a big question in itself. Even when you look at being being a roaster in the past and sourcing green, even looking at pictures you get sent. I don't know about you guys, but I, it's just men and champion women roasters, champion women. Farmers is a massive, a massive thing that I think we'll still need to, still need to get to. Do you think that that is, I mean, there is a, with representation in any industry, if someone cannot see themselves in that role, is it, is it that? Is it that they're not seeing women in those roles, so they're not aspiring to that? Or do you think it's more of that those opportunities aren't presented? I'd like to answer if that's okay because um yeah of course (laughs) so I primarily work in training people to be ready for hospitality often a lot of people who have never done hospitality before and actually to go back to that last question what's very interesting is because hospitality is about preparing food and drink and caring for people's needs yeah it's actually for women and um you know kind of female presenting people it's something that might be seen as unpaid labor. For example, if you're at home, you might be in charge of cooking and looking after the home. Therefore, it's perceived a little differently when someone who isn't a woman does it. And I think that actually contributes to coffee because coffee is part of hospitality, no matter where we look at it, right? And to go on to whether that might have an impact on whether people want to go into it, I think it definitely does. So something that I often see when I'm training in my day to day, I train in London. London is an extremely diverse city and there have been times when we've wanted to, you know, share some educational material where 
all of the people represented in that material are men when I might only have three men in a group of 12 of people that I'm training or equally, you know, it turns out that we only have infographics of baristas where they're portrayed as being white when in London, actually, we the majority of people in my groups are often people who are not white. And I think that can have an impact, even though baristas and cafes and usually, you know, you will be in a very good caring team, you'll be with a good employer, that perception of what you're getting into, I think can impact your experience. Um, It has done for me personally in the past, especially in customer facing, because that's a little bit different to your colleagues. But that's just my experience from it. Anyone else have any ideas on, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a similar thing at origin, that that would be producing countries. Yeah, I I think that the um, sometimes the the women themselves sometimes don't will not allow themselves to want certain jobs yeah or don't think about it because it's so because the gender reality is is like strongly made in their minds and they don't ask themselves that kinds of questions yeah uh, and when they do sometimes we see we work with like a farm that has a daughter that is trying to take over the farm. So that's all very nice. It's like a woman-grown, a woman-empowered coffee grower. But in the reality, and that's in Colombia, and and in there, when you are a woman alone heading a big farm, you are more at risk if you are alone. So so in a way, her dad is not completely letting it go. Uh, so it's things that can also see the reality of things and like ask yourself, how can we help in that situation? I think that is actually coming back to equity again, maybe. Is there a way to get gender equity at origin at farms? Or I mean, does that, in your experience, is that a very far way away that... The, there is a way. I think we're not far from it. And I also think that today we have, if we look at, at the coffee growing regions, we, we kind of have a problem. Uh, a large majority of coffee growers are above 55 years old. Right. So we have like in specialty a bit less, but as a general fact, Coffee growing is not appealing to younger generations. So the the we have to see now a generational transition in coffee that will make coffee appealing because it's gonna generate more uh, revenue. It will pay better the coffee growers, and 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 this will be done through quality. Eventually, coffee will become, I think, more and more a niche product and a high-end product. But this generational transition needs to be done and I think will be done with women. I think it is happening right now. And I think we just need to look at what are the challenges that they face to be able to, to help them to overcome those challenges. But I think that this younger generation issue and gender equality issue come they come really close and it is happening and we need to have a look 
at what it means today to be a, a female coffee grower or why we don't see more female coffee growers and to see what the challenges are and, and, and how we, we kind of help hand to hand women to, to be able to empower themselves in the, in the coffee chain. Definitely. And before we move on from gender equity origin, because I mean, I, it, it's such a big topic anyway, right? But while we're on that subject, in terms of obviously what we see as a consumer and the kind of rise of female produced coffee labels, that kind of branding and that as a, a you know, that we're consuming. Is that important? Is that enough? Is that, what is your opinion, every, everyone, on that? Well, it's really interesting because I think when we talk about origin, there's so many different countries and they all have their own culture, right? right. And the way that women, you know, take ownership or are given a part in uh, coffee processing or growing is going to depend on that culture. Because after all, we talk about origin, but we mean East Africa, which every country is different. West Africa, South Africa, we've got Central America, South America, people who speak Portuguese, people who speak Spanish. So it depends there, right? It's interesting because it depends a lot on the context and yeah. why we see it as a good thing to be buying from solely women coffee growers compared to, you know, before we may not have known who grew it at all. And so the assumption there is the majority of coffee that I'm buying is actually being grown by men. So if I buy this coffee grown by women, it's making a positive difference. And I think it's interesting to, I think that's a good question to challenge actually what is the reality is it making a positive impact on the growers is it is the impact we think we're making by buying it as consumers is that going all the way back to the original i wonder if you've had any experience from that both working in a roastery and at origin i mean it's interesting you touch on that um sitting here now i'm thinking is it something consumers want to know about is it something we should be putting on packaging or putting on our websites as roasters as wholesale have female grown coffees in your range today yeah. yeah yeah and i sort of shout about that quite a lot i know girls who grind they yeah. do a big big thing about it yeah. and i do think it's great and i just wonder if it sort of hits home with consumers and obviously just us drinking it at home whether you actually take the time to think oh is this grown by a man or woman like you know, it's quite an interesting concept that I think everyone will have a personal view on. So, yeah, I I think this all these <laughs> labels and 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 like uh, ads about women coffee are quite new. So yeah. it is. I, I think it is useful because at least we are talking about it. Yeah. But it's the beginning, and we cannot just stay there. I think we need to challenge a little bit these labels asking about so this is a coffee grown by women how there are still a lot of challenges for that woman how can we help yeah. or what does this label mean i think we need to start to question a little bit more why and maybe because why is a coffee grown by woman better than a coffee grow, grown by men is that completely fair or can we take a coffee that is grown by a man, but like the company structure does a lot of things to empower women. They are not only the the hands sorting the coffee, but there is a real policy in that farm 
or in that exporter to empower women? Do they also deserve a label? So I think that in a way include men as well as part of the solution. But that's a lot of questions that are are new. We don't have all those labels yet. Yeah. But I think we will get there. (laughs) It feels like we're at the start of something for sure. Turning point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've hit the turning point and we're on our way to change. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if you also agree with this, but we're not in the 60s anymore. Yeah. So this full of rage feminism, <laughs> we kind of saw it doesn't work. So it needs to be something maybe a little bit more, a little bit less separating between men and women or this or that. We're all. Yeah. And, and when you do this, because there is less separation, I think that you also include a lot better all the genders in between. Sometimes you need to be angry before you can make a plan, right? (laughs) In the 60s, we were angry and now we can talk about it. They did that for us. Thank you very much. And now now we can plan. But you're right. Like this is, this is like, yeah, the kind of talking about it, talking about it more the same way that when we start to talk about characteristics like ethnicity and, you know, talk about equality, then you can make positive change. So like if we talk about women growers, then it means that, actually women are being recognized that they can be growers they can be business people in their own right they can own a farm which a few years ago might not in their community have been an accepted thing i know there's the partnership for gender equity in coffee pcg i always mix up those letters they are an organization who provide education in some communities at origin which is not just business education but they'll also do a little bit of work with a community so that men and women can both understand the impact of the business residing solely with one person in the family and actually how sharing that can positively spread the load and kind of and it's only that by talking about it do we chip it down right like you said it's not worth just saying this is bad and this is good it's a work in progress. So I want to bring the conversation back to being in the cafe and hospitality itself. I feel like that's what a lot of people here will be able to resonate with and probably have some experience in and their own journey with that. A question for whoever feels obliged. What barriers do we think marginalized genders have in customer facing roles in hospitality in the coffee industry right now? Right now. <laughs> or uh, recently. Or recently. <laughs> I think when it comes to customer facing, the uh, when you're a barista or on till or a server, the reality of your life is you're probably dealing with hundreds of strangers who you may or may not ever see again in your life. And as is very natural when you meet another human being you can't help but make judgments about them yeah and that's completely fine we all do it what it can mean if you are for example transitioning or if your gender is not the same as the one that you present as in terms of your voice your appearance your facial hair your height it can mean other people so potentially customers sort of referring to you in terms that you are not comfortable with once or twice a day, usually fine. Usually if you're transgender, non-binary like myself, then you're, you're used to that because not everybody knows what that is. 
right. few hundred times in a day can actually really wear down your mental health. That is a challenge that is unfortunately something that can happen. And that can only happen with a slow changing of mindset. As I said, it's a very slow process of learning new terms, talking about them. And that can be quite a challenge, particularly if you begin your career in hospitality before you potentially transition or change your identity, because your colleagues and everyone you're facing may have to adapt to new terms. And that's just an unfortunate reality of where we are at the moment. And I'm sure this has been happening for a long time as well. We're just talking about it now, really. Do you have any ideas of what could help in that situation? I think I feel like it's a it's something that is going to be a, a gradual process. So for example, with myself and my colleagues, we all often kind of openly, you know, talk about individuals, gender and pronouns. And we have new trainees, we always ask everyone just to clarify what their pronouns are so we can get it right. Sometimes people actually change their minds halfway through the program, depending on how comfortable we feel. Um, some things that my colleagues do to help me out is um, if somebody refers to me with she, because that's that's how I look, no mistake of theirs, um, yeah. they'll usually correct that person for me. Right. They'll say, Mel's pronouns are they actually and and then just continue with that and also in in our academy we also kind of practice more gender neutral language if we don't know someone's pronouns as well okay. because at the end of the day everyone has used they them pronouns before like if someone loses their phone you say well someone has lost their phone and we we're, we're yeah. already using it they've lost their phone yeah exactly but yeah. it's just purposefully using and intentionally using it is quite a new concept for a lot of people. So I genuinely think it is time it will happen naturally. And just kind of being open to, you know, if you make a mistake, it's okay, just coming right. coming past from it. I like to think that we are no longer in that angry phase where no one is getting incredibly yeah. upset if you slip up. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, sure. when your colleague has corrected yeah. someone, yeah. how how does that make you feel? Um, it actually makes me feel really good. Okay. If there are days when, for example, when I'm training and I get very into it, I might get quite uh, emotionally tired. I personally might not be in a place to correct somebody, even though I'd like to, and I'm sure they'd be understanding. But it's the same way that, for example, you might not want to have a conversation with an angry customer or a chatty customer on a particular day. Yeah. So it does, it does make me feel really supported when my colleagues step in to do something like that, because I don't always have the strength to do it myself. I actually have a I think this is maybe an interesting a spicy add. question. Um, Go for it. <laughs> no, no, I was actually just going to say something. Actually, it's about my own experience. Well, not my experience. My dad's experience. Sure. Um. So my dad works in McDonald's, and they last year asked him if. Well, they they put out an email to all the colleagues saying because obviously McDonald's you wear a name badge, and they asked if if people would want if you would like your pronouns on your name badge that you can. Um. My dad's sixty six. Uh, and he was like, what's this? He just came to me and was like, what's this about? Like, I don't, you know, he just came with an open question. Like, what, what basically, what's basically asked, what's a pronoun? Like, yeah. why, why would I put that on my name badge? And interesting enough, there had been a situation that he told me about and kind of confided in me recently in the past few months of that there had recently been a, a trans woman that had started at his store. And that she was facing some 
uh, misgendering from other colleagues. And I said, well, that is exactly your answer, right? Yeah. And that may, even you putting your pronoun on your badge, dad, may help someone else to, who would, you know, if she had just put that on her name badge and no one else had that on theirs. Yeah. That is her feeling maybe like an outsider, right? So if he was to then do it, that kind of makes it to her, okay, you know, I can do that. And it feels like a more normalized, you know, general thing that, you know, some of us are doing rather than I'm doing that because I have to, to stop you misgendering me, right? And I just, I know we're not going to wear name badges in in the host- in specialty coffee shops at all. Yeah, that generally no. Generally not. I haven't seen that yet. Um, but I just thought it was an interesting yeah. thing to add yeah. of that, of, yeah, that McDonald's, Sure. brought that up i'd like i'd like yeah. to add something Please, to that no, as well, no, very absolutely um, <laughs> it's what's interesting about that and it's thank you for sharing i think it's really great that your dad asked you that a lot of people feel scared to ask what pronouns are and i think it's worth noting that in english-speaking countries we don't get taught grammar so actually <laughs> if you grew up in a country that where you weren't speaking english since since birth you probably know what a pronoun is in the grammatical structure of your language right but we don't have that so actually the word pronoun itself is a very unusual word to hear if you've been speaking english all your life and then suddenly it's like a grammar thing it's a gender thing i've got no idea what this means and so actually for a lot of people um they might be scared to ask because it's a complete unknown and as time goes on sometimes people get more scared to not know something So it really is about breaking down, actually, just the same way that we talk about gender roles in, you know, production and stuff like that. We have to start talking about it. We have to make a few mistakes and then we'll get okay with it. Right. I think that as like someone that is not, I'm not often Mm. in front of this kind of situations. I am often scared scared to 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 like hurt anyone's feeling about it. Exactly. So you don't know. And all this pronoun things are quite new so yeah if i am writing an email about you yeah would i put uh they are or they is yeah exactly i don't know yeah. how to use it so i That's think we all point. need to to maybe be more it's probably because it's the beginning but mm. yeah don't, don't be angry at me because it's not because you know because i'm not understanding it's because i really don't know how to use it <laughs> And maybe we just need more conversations like this yes. of us understanding yeah. how to use pronouns and making it more of a easy subject to talk about. I think people are shy away from it because yeah. they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Right, maybe. exactly. And they don't want to offend anyone. And I think it's almost worth saying that it's somewhat brave for uh, a non-binary person, a, a queer person, to enter the world of hospitality because... Me being a gay woman, you will always find controversy or some kind of discrimination. That one person that comes in that day can absolutely ruin your day by calling you anything. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it, it comes with having, as you said, if you've had a long day, mentally you're just not there or, you know, however it comes across from that person. But you've put yourself in that position, that job. And I think it's worth saying that's quite a brave thing to do, knowing that you might find that that conflict. Yeah, I would add as well. And actually, I really like both of those points that you brought up. So one thing as well is that it is really hard to exist 
in the world as an LGBT person, because the world as it is right now is not currently built for us, but we're doing our best. But also, if you don't know this and you don't want to hurt other people nobody wants to hurt other people right so it's like two parties being very brave at the same time one thing I have found really has helped me as well because often I might introduce myself to somebody and say oh hi I'm Mel my pronouns they them the other person will say oh I'm Bob and then I don't know what their pronouns are what I do is I ask actually you can ask someone and say I'm so sorry, I didn't catch what your pronouns are. There's also lots of LGBT charities that have like guides on their website now where you can just Google, how do I use they pronouns? And it'll give you like a table. But also, I'm glad that you brought that up because now I can answer your question. It would be they are for me, but uh, some people might feel differently. And at the end of the day, I will still be able to understand your emails. So I won't be hurt by that. So yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, sometimes you can do a little bit of research you can kind of like look online there's lots of resources but you can also ask the person directly because that for me is is the kindest thing you can do because it shows that you care about me so actually I'm feeling more connected by you know to everyone here just for having this conversation so I think a good question to finish with is to ask like what can we do collectively either as customers or as just people working in the coffee industry to make people in cafes this how do we make it easier and better for them if they're feeling like we were just talking about not grinding people down and how do we what are the steps we can take simple things we can do i think it's just remembering that we baristas people who work in coffee are our own community we're sort of our own family and when you walk into a coffee shop whether you're on your way to work you've just got off a really busy train or you're at the end of the day just remember like you've entered this world that's like chill all-inclusive and yeah, it, you sort of just turn your, you can turn your day off or turn your stresses off by walking into a coffee shop and just treating everyone the same. When I go into a coffee shop, I talk to the baristas like they're my mates. Yeah. And just be a bit more chill, relaxed, calm. And yeah. For me, like the reasons that I worked in coffee shops is because I loved how it brought people together yeah. and how you did connect with people that you maybe wouldn't, normally ever come across you would net you know there's people I'd met and become friends with from being a brister that I would have never we would have never crossed paths otherwise right and that's a thing in itself and that's kind of what coffee is like a catalyst for if people are open to these conversations and generally yeah people I think people a lot of the time they are going to a coffee shop because you know it's not always just for the coffee. It's for an experience. It's it's to be a part of something, whether that's the customer base or whether that's connecting with the people behind the bar or, you know, feeling a part of a community, which actually goes hand in hand with us just wanting to be accepted. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. Anything to anything to add on? It's all about keeping an open mind, really, right. and just talking, you know? Like, exactly. sometimes you learn something or you realise you got someone's name wrong the entire time that you've known them. Like, we all make mistakes, right? So 
for me, it would be keeping an open mind. If you do slip up, know that it's okay because you're going to try better next time. Yeah. It's okay. Um, I think we could, like everybody could, use to be a little bit more forgiving of themselves. Yeah. And to ask more questions. Ask more questions. I mean, I know I'm saying that because I'm a trainer and I would always rather that people <laughs> asked so that yeah. then I can answer and then they know. But yeah, that would be ask more questions. Keep an open mind. And, yeah. and probably also because it's new and we're all learning about it. Yeah. And, and things sometimes are, you see things, but, but we don't really know what things are. Maybe we, we need to go through that phase where we, we work with an external organization, an ONG or something that will explain how to come across. And, and I think companies could t today like work with some external institutions that work around gender and say, well, how do we do it? And maybe we can get that help across the, 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 the whole industry. And, and, and maybe you need to like print something and put it in your coffee shop because it's the beginning and we all need to learn and Yeah. To, or to raise these subjects, finding yeah, finding new ways, I think, and yeah, exploring and talking about things, and asking questions. On the subject of asking questions, does anyone have any questions or any experiences they want to share? Because that's why we're here. Thank you so much. We might have oh, a microphone yes, for you if that's not too scary. Fancy. <laughs> I love to see a lot of men in the audience as well. Yes, right? Yeah. Thank yeah. you for everyone being here, but thanks to the men as well for being here because that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's an <another> <laughs> Sorry, um, please go on. Yeah, I mean, you spoke about it a little bit earlier in terms of hospitality, but the main thing that I think a lot of us see is men more in the scientific and more technical areas of coffee And women who historically have been seen in the caregiving roles more in the front of house roles. Yeah. And I was just wondering, in your guys' experience of the coffee chain, have you seen kind of a change in that and like a development of those roles and like previously gendered roles becoming a little bit more diverse in terms of the... Yeah, the process. Did you hear that, by the yeah, way? Yeah, okay, cool. Good. Yeah, um, <laughs> got it. I think... Great uh, question, by the way. Thank that you. Was, that was. From a managing a grocery side of things, I can only go by things like engineers. I ring up the, the roaster engineer. I ring up um, Conti. You know, you've got... To my knowledge, one, two people that work at Conti, Amazoko, maybe a couple more um, uh, women, that is. But with regards to engineers, they're all men. Why is that? Is that because engineering is a male field? I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So I want to train up to be a, a coffee machine engineer, a roaster engineer, Almost just to be like, no, women can do it too. Yeah, I think it's something, again, that women could almost be scared of. But yeah, no, that, that's kind of my, my experience, really. I Just to add to that, yeah, in terms of 
our technical team at Lamazoko. So we've got three after sales at the moment. Two are women, one is a man. But you're exactly right because I'm now thinking about on the network of approved Lamazoko engineers. I've never seen a woman. Yeah. yeah. They're all it's men. annoying, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I have thought about that before. I might yeah. bring the engineer company up. Like, <laughs> okay. Just send a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, yeah on, on that, it's, yeah, it's definitely like a traditional thing, which again, we're talking about it. We're yeah. changing it. In many countries, there's now more, for example, marketing for like engineering courses to uh, young, right. young girls and stuff like that, that previously wasn't done. I also think that a part of it, it's actually that cycle of what you see represented in marketing. So for example, like you said, at La Mazzocco, you've got, you know, two uh, female engineers and um, most people who have been in the specialty coffee industry for the last few years will no doubt know Estelle who has worked at La Mazzocco because she puts herself out in spaces. She does photography. She helps at events. And so you know, you already know a woman who works for um, a coffee machine company, but that is because she's in the public eye. I yeah. think it also is to do with the public eye and who is elevated, which, and then I think it has that effect of if you don't see yourself represented, you lose heart, you don't want to apply and get into it. And that results in fewer people of different backgrounds. And it's an endless circle. One that I think is changing little bit by little bit, I think because engineering technology and kind of lab is I think a little bit more rooted in um, in the patriarchy, maybe than hospitality is. Baristas' hospitality—that's very dynamic. I think in terms of changing. Yeah. Do we have time for another question? Or, um, I've got I've got no concept of time right now. But um, I don't know if anyone else had anything to. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for everything. I was wondering about maybe you have tips on diverse hiring. For instance, I own a coffee roastery, so it should be already easier because I'm a, there's a female owner there as well. And I really put effort in. I try to uh, hire diverse, but the moment I put a job out there, I get mostly male CVs. So now I do need to fill the position. I do need hands on board. And I find it difficult and I already use my own channels. But then again, uh, it's easier for me because I can put it on my own personal Instagram. So how, you know, how would you give yeah tips out for businesses to make sure they create the opportunities to hire diverse? Yeah, difficult. From, uh, from my experience, I was running the roastery single-handedly for a few months before I was like, oh man, I need some help. And... I did exactly the same, put an ad out, and I had, I think, five five men. Don't ask me how I remember this, but five men and two women. Interviewed them all, all great, and it came down to a guy and a girl. Weirdly, I don't know why, I got on better with the girl. And uh, she's over on the stand now, Imogen, she's great. But are you looking for, like, anyone in particular yeah see it's interesting as well because when you look at girls who grind they're either women or non-binary people is there a reason for that obviously they're portraying this like power girl type roastery is it the accessibility that they're creating yeah or i think it's uh you you also have a need on the short term 
and a problem that will be solved in the long term. So I think that if you if you hire men because men apply or even because maybe the man is better than the woman that is applying, you will hire the best person yeah. for that job. But I think that your your uh, kind of role as well can be to 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 more in the long run maybe see that you have a woman that that has a certain talent in like something and just show her well you could want that maybe she isn't seeing it but to try to push and I, I think as well kind of women to women but I'm sure men can do that too or, or, or when you identify that people are blocking themselves or putting some uh some breaks themselves and i think it's kind of our role to to make them see that first to to take knowledge and then say oh you know you could want that and that's okay you know you are really skilled with the uh, logic and numbers you could be an engineer you 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 know it, it's okay if you want to go there and 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 i think mainly as being a boss and a manager to tell someone if you want to do that i will help you it's the best thing i think you can do right like someone yeah be able to grow in the role and 100 definitely i've got some thoughts from uh how we get trainees like onto our programs so one thing that you can do if you want to get a real range of people specifically from your local area is to go to places where the community go so for example going to a library or a mosque or a church asking if you can put something on the notice board because a lot of people who have very good transferable skills for many, many roles yes. may not necessarily look on coffee jobs board or United Baristas. They might not even know it exists. They might not know social media, but they might have exactly a scientific mind for roasting. So yeah, local community centers. Also, if you have any clients who you work with, maybe asking them to share with their networks or to share on their social media. Because you never know, like I got many of my jobs by being a customer at a business and then hearing that they were hiring or that someone in there that who they worked with were hiring and that is how I found out about it and happened to be the right candidate for them so yeah definitely local community community frequented areas and even branching out slightly like if there's any food markets in your area especially because coffee is a beverage right you could get someone who's super passionate about coffee but just don't know about speciality and this will be a great learning opportunity for them um there's so many ways that you can connect and it's looking outside of what we already know as those roots and really talking to the people around you yeah such a good point any anything else anyone else wants to add you don't have to but just <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to cut anyone off from the things they want to say to the world i think it's been a really good conversation i feel really i feel really like welcomed and supported and like we've communicated really well about the kind of unique challenges in marketing with consumers with you know so many structures and it's been really good to have a very frank chat with you all about it um, yeah, yeah. let's keep talking about it yeah. i guess yeah Definitely. I think that's a good note to finish on. Yeah. <laughs> Keep talking, but not right now. We have to. <laughs> and right. thank you all for coming thank to listen so to us. And enjoy the rest of the festival. Yay. Yeah. Yay.